This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined straight from Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl by our man Clayton Smarslock, who is on the scene. He's going to be there tomorrow as well, so we will have another report. Clayton, what's going on, sir? How's Mobile? Good, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I've been so excited to talk to you. I've been waiting for the Senior Bowl practices to come up, and I'm so glad that you were able to make your way down there so that we could do these reports from the practices and get a bird's-eye view of what's really going on down there. So let's start with the hot name that everybody was passing around on Twitter yesterday, and I will admit I didn't know that much about him, but he set Twitter ablaze. Andy Isabella, the receiver from UMass, what's going on with him? Yeah, so he was in the uh, he was in the second practice with the North team. He, he, he's a fast dude. Uh, I spoke to him at the media day beforehand. Uh, he was saying that he ran a four two six. I think it was either uh, the end of high school or early college. Um, but he also acknowledged that it was hand time, so definitely could be off. Um, but yeah, he's hoping to track the four threes at the combine. He's a fast dude. He's quick in his cuts. He had a really good practice, except for a couple drops. Um, he does have smaller hands, but uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that uh, I'm pretty sure he'll be fine. Because when I was watching him on tape, like even leading up to this, I didn't really see any drops. Uh, he, he's a good player. I think he's gonna. Unfortunately, I can't watch him today because uh, the elements. But uh, I I think he'll have a good couple days of practice. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the game on Saturday. Do you have a sense for where his draft stock is right now? And do you think that he might be a potential fit with the Jets? Because obviously there's been a lot of talk about how the Jets could use some extra weapons in the passing game. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think he would be um, he's probably going to be like a third, fourth round pick. Yeah, somewhere around there. And for the Jets, I think he'd be a good pick. And he can fit in the slot. And one, another thing about him, he's a good specialist. He's comfortable playing. On coverage, he's comfortable comfortable playing as a returner. Uh, here was one, uh, I think it was against Georgia. It could have been someone, against someone else. It slipped my mind. But he had a punt return and got called back. And I'm like, and you just see it. He's just a playmaker with the ball in his hand. Very, I'm very excited to see where he ends up. Talk to me a little bit more about some of the other receivers that you saw, because I know that you spent quite a bit of time looking at the receivers in yesterday's practice. What did you see? Anybody stand out to you? Yeah, the top guy, he might be the top player in all of Mobile, Debo Samuel, uh, the receiver from South Carolina. He, he just looked legit. He had great releases. Um, he was getting wide open in the one-on-one. Great hands. He was even showing it deep, too, and he's not, that's not really his game uh, like as a deep threat. But he was just all over the field making plays. And he did, he did have one drop, uh, which I was uh, able to catch. But he's definitely one of my favorite guys. I think he can be... Like maybe a late first round, second round pick, so he's most likely not gonna fall to the Jets. Uh, even if, even like the late second round, I don't think he'll fall for them to the to trade up, which is unfortunate because he's one of, one of my favorites. I uh, and I actually spoke to him after the uh, like the last question I asked him was like, hey, like, so do you have any interviews lined up with the Jets? And short answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> any other receivers that you noticed? Yeah, uh, Hunter Renfro from Clemson. Seems like he's been in college for, I don't know, like 12 years. <laughs> but uh, he's finally here at the Senior Bowl. And I got to tell you, he looks like he has a high floor as a uh, slot receiver. 
very high, very quick in and out of his cuts and breaks. Uh, shows great hands. He's just very fluid. Um, and we've seen it all throughout college. And like we're always, I feel like a lot of like the draft picks out there are kind of thinking like, oh yeah, he, maybe he'll uh, like a late round pick, just like a flyer. But I, I think this dude can play. I think he might not, he might never be like a top guy in the league. I think he'll always be like a solid player. And I know the name Adam Humphreys is flying out there for like just uh, people like wanting to sign him for agency. If you want Adam Humphreys, I would just save the money, like the $10 million that he might make, and just spend it on Hunter Renfro. Where do you think he's going to go in the draft? Um, I, mean, I think he'll definitely go before like the sixth or seventh round. Uh, if I had to guess right now, he might, get, he might go like fourth, fifth. Probably, I'd probably say fourth. Kind of guess. That's Let, why I like them. I, I would take them in the fourth round. Let's talk a little bit about defensive backs. I know you spent quite a bit of time looking at them yesterday as well. What did you see? Uh, there was a few guys that stood out, good and bad. Uh, first one, Lonnie Johnson. He's, a, he's the cornerback uh, for Kentucky. Long guy. Big, physical. And we obviously know that that's what Greg Williams wants in this new, uh, this new defense. Uh, he, he looked very fluid in his movement. Uh, dropping back, flip, uh, quick hits. Uh, another one, uh, Amani Ariwarie. I'm actually surprised I pronounced that correctly on my first show. <laughs> um, the Penn State cornerback. He, uh, going into the week, I figured he'd be like a late first, early second, but he seemed to struggle, uh, quite a bit. He looks stiff, um, in his movement. He got burnt a few times too. Uh, so I was, I was kind of, I was looking forward to watching him, but he kind of disappointed. So maybe, maybe he falls a little bit into like the Jets' territory in the third round, which I still think would be good value. But I know, as uh, I know, Joe Caparoso, he made a note he does not want any older prospects, and that's exactly what he is. He's an older prospect. Another Nathan Shepard type situation. <laughs> not not that old, not that old, but he's, he's pretty close. <laughs> I think it's more of like Marcus May. All right, I think a lot of Jets fans would be happy with another Marcus May. Where do you think some of these guys might fit in the Greg Williams scheme? Uh, well, this is actually my first time watching Lonnie Johnson. I never, I haven't been able to watch him on tape just yet. But just based off body type and like the way they were using him yesterday, I think they're still trying to get like a feel for some of these players. Um, he, he looks like he can possibly fit that that defense that Greg Williams wants. And Ari Warrior. He uh, he is like a press corner. He's also a big guy. He's over six foot. I don't know what his official uh, measurements were yesterday, but uh, yeah, I, I think he'd be a great guy. I, I think he's more of like I, I look at him as like a bump and run more than like press man. Uh, I but it, I know Greg Williams is going to want these bigger corners to like, get physical at the line of scrimmage, and that's what he'll do for sure. Let's shift to the lines now, Clayton. You spent a lot of time watching the defensive backs and a lot of time watching the wide receivers, but what did you see from the Lions? Because a lot of people have said that the Jets need to really rebuild through the trenches. That would mean defensive line and offensive line. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously we need to get off of the line with Sam Darnold back there. You have to protect him. Uh, we don't know what the future holds with Spencer Long and uh, Brian Winters. James Harbinger's gone. So I was looking at interior line, and the guy stood out was Elkin Jenkins from Mississippi State. And I said it on Toronto Jets Instagram Live last night. 
he was a man amongst boys. It, it felt like he was just so dominant. He was getting, oops, sorry. He was strong. He was getting so much push. He, he just wasn't letting these guys pass him in the one-on-one, uh, which is always like, benefited for the defensive uh, players. So to see him like dominate the way he did was very like eye-opening. And I, and I really liked him going into it, but I think if he keeps on doing what he's doing, what he did yesterday for the rest of the week, I think he can become like a first-round name, unfortunately, for the Jets. Let's see, another one was Eric McCoy. He, uh, I was able to catch like, the last few snaps of him at the end of the game. He's the uh, center for Texas A&M. He, the, actually, the last clip I put off in front of the Jets, he threw someone to the ground. He's, <laughs> he's a big, strong guy. He's, he was a late addition, so I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't watch him leading up. But that's definitely one name that has been talked about around like draft Twitter, and he he'll probably be like a, maybe like a late day two pick, uh, just like what I've been hearing. So that's definitely someone I'd be interested in watching as well. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterbacks because... I know that the Jets aren't necessarily in the market for a quarterback, but they could be looking for a long-term backup if they don't believe in Davis Webb because we obviously don't know what Adam Gase thinks of Webb yet. And on top of that, if any of these quarterback stock rises, it might help the Jets by pushing down players that they might otherwise have less of a chance to get. So what did you see and what did you hear about the quarterbacks that are at the Senior Bowl? From what I did see and like here, of course, Daniel Jones... Uh, he's looking like a, a lock for the first round. Uh, whether it's top 10, 15, 20, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he'll be a meme we'll be hearing in April. Jared Stidham, and he had a lot of buzz going into the season, kind of struggled as as it went on. But he also had a good practice yesterday, too. You know, he was showing a strong arm. Uh, he's obviously very athletic. He could be someone that could uh, maybe sneak into like day two. But as for, like, a long-term backup, uh, man, I don't know. And th- this is a good class that we have at, in Mobile. Um, maybe not for the draft in general, but it's a deep class here. Maybe someone probably, like, <laughs> it actually would be really fun to see Gardner Minshew uh, in New York. But not <laughs> even just because of his play, but because of his, like, 
like the stigma he gives off like of himself. I I don't know. It's just something about him. He, he actually he probably drew one of the biggest crowds I saw at Media Day yesterday, and he's uh, like one of the biggest names like players. So maybe that's someone that'd be <laughs> pretty fun to watch in green and white next year. Uh, yeah, and Tyree Jackson from uh, from Buffalo. He's a he's a big dude. He's I think he's like six 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 seven. Strong arm. Uh, and he can probably he might be able to fall into like that day three range where uh, if the Jets are like looking for a long term backup and don't want Davis Webb or you know maybe we keep Joshua Counter around for another five years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tyree Jackson would be someone to definitely look at. Shout out to our boy Corey Griffin on that one, Buffalo alum. So, Corey, I know that you were looking forward to hearing about Mr. Jackson. Clayton, any other specific players that you noticed yesterday, positively or negatively, and anybody else that you think might be a decent fit with the Jets? Yeah, so there's a few players that I was really interested in that I haven't looked at before, uh, Mobile. Uh, Terry McLaurin from Ohio State, the receiver. He's a fast dude. He, uh, and he's got like a little like moxie to him. He was he was chirping after one of his uh, after beating Chris Boyd, the uh, DB from Texas. He's chirping at him a little bit. Let's uh, see, Dalen Mack, the defensive tackle from Texas A and M. He was a monster in the one on one. He was actually he didn't. I didn't know if he actually went against Elton Jenkins, but on the defensive side, he was the one that like shined the most to me. And who knows if we do trade Leonard Williams, which is definitely a possibility. Maybe he's a guy that they look at in the middle rounds. Uh, and Dax, people, I always want to say Dax Shepard. Dax <laughs> 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 Rainey. <laughs> Not the actor, the tight end from uh, Utah State. Uh, he was dominating in the uh, one-on-ones against the safeties. Uh, he beat Juan Thornhill. He beat Mike Edwards, two guys that I really like coming down here. Uh, he was getting a lot, a lot of separation. Uh, great hands. I wanted, to see, I wanted to see him a little more blocking today, but of course, like I mentioned, I can't watch him. Clayton, let's talk a little bit about the juicy stuff. What have you been hearing? Any good gossip? Actually, I got to say, like, last year I heard some things like flying around out there. This year I haven't really heard much. Uh, it's kind of, it's actually kind of crazy. Uh, I'll be going out tonight as well too, so maybe I can get some information. Uh, maybe pull something a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, there hasn't that hasn't really been too much, unfortunately. I wish I could give you something, Scott. <laughs> Clayton, you're killing me here. I was looking for some good gossip, and instead you're like, eh, I got <laughs> nothing for you. You got to at least make I'll, something I'll... up for me. Come on, this is 2019. <laughs> you got to at least make something up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get something. I'll pull out my recorder skills tomorrow uh, tonight, just so I can get something for for the show tomorrow. Clayton thanks so much man Really appreciate you coming on And telling us everything that's been going on Down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile For day one we will talk about Day two tomorrow it's going to be a little Interesting because of the weather but we'll get around That no worries and we will bring you some Excellent material with Clayton down there Clayton thanks so much again Before you go tell everybody where they can find you So that they can check out your observations In real time Yeah you can follow me on Twitter At Smart NFL Draft. Uh, that's where I, I'm, I'm, I'm live tweeting for the Senior Bowl. Well, uh, yeah, I'll be tweeting about the draft. Uh, that's like my main, my main thing. So if you want to hear anything about the draft, especially for the Jets, give me a follow. 
Absolutely, and we're going to have coverage throughout the rest of the week. Clayton will be back tomorrow. Then we're going to have Jim Colburn on Friday. And then on Sunday, we will have a full Senior Bowl recap talking about everything that went down and the prospects that rose their stock, dropped their stock, plus guys that might be a good fit for the Jets, where they could fall, what range they might get drafted in, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of great draft coverage coming your way. We're going to be shifting to a lot of draft and free agency stuff over the next couple of weeks leading into the beginning of free agency and then, of course, the draft in late April. So really glad that Clayton was able to go down to Mobile and do live reports with us. And again, check him out on Twitter so that you can follow along in real time. And now time for a little bonus content. As I'm sure you know by now, Cliff Kingsbury is not the next head coach of the New York Jets. That's Adam Gase. But for a while, Kingsbury was in serious contention and there was a lot of buzz around him. People were talking about what a brilliant offensive mind he was. And a lot of people didn't really know much beyond that other than the fact that he had a losing record at Texas Tech for six seasons. But what was the Texas Tech program really like under Cliff Kingsbury? I wanted to talk to some people that could give me answers to that question. And really, there's nobody more qualified to answer that than J.D. on high. J.D. on high is a wide receiver who walked on with the Texas Tech Red Raiders Kingsbury's first year. He ended up redshirting. Then he had another year later on that was an injury exemption. So he is the only player that can say that he was at Texas Tech for Cliff Kingsbury's entire six-year run as head coach, which means I was obviously really excited when I was able to track him down and talk to him a little bit about Cliff Kingsbury. So we'll call this again like we did with Mike McCarthy, the road not taken. Did the Jets make the right move by not offering Cliff Kingsbury the job when he came to interview at Florham Park? And what might things have been like if he had been hired and became the new head coach of the New York Jets, especially what would the offense have looked like? For that, let's bring in J.D. on high, who right now is in the process of getting ready for the draft process, hoping to either get drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent this April. J.D. on, what's going on, man? I'm much. Just chill, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Lots going on over here. As you know, the Jets hired Adam Gase, and now it's time for free agency and the draft. And I just hope my blood pressure stays at a normal level at this point. (laughs) But I'm really happy to get to talk to you because for people that are unfamiliar with you, you started off on special teams as a walk-on, worked your way up to a scholarship player, and then became a really impactful player as a wide receiver, especially your final year. So if you could, talk to me a little bit about your journey from walk-on in 2013 when Cliff Kingsbury arrived till the end where you were a pretty impactful player in 2018 as a wide receiver for Texas Tech. When I first got there, I mean, Coach Kingsbury told me what I could be and what I could do, and I just had to come to work and work hard every day. And that's what I did throughout the most six years, and I proved myself day in and day out. And he built up trust with me, and I could see that he trusted me. And when the time came later on after I was proved my role on such teams, he put me in on offense, and there was games where I would catch balls on third down and get the first down for them and do stuff like that, just make plays that I needed to make. I wasn't playing much on offense, but when I did, I did. I made sure to do what I needed to do. And uh, my final year came around, and he's like, you're going to be the guy next year. Like, I'm I'm relying on you heavy for the receiving core. you got to pull all these guys up and get them going. When the year came around, that's what we did. I mean, a lot of people had doubt in us about the receiving core, talking about we ain't going to be the same because we had just lost, like, four guys to the league. And they, were all, they did a lot of production on the offense, but, I mean, we proved to everybody that we could pick up the slack and do what they did. 
Tell me a little bit about how Cliff Kingsbury treated you as you came along from walk-on up to scholarship player and then up to a guy who was really making a difference in your final year. Was he any different at all? Was he very encouraging? Did he work hands-on with you to help make you become a better player? Oh, yeah. I mean, he did that throughout the whole six years. Of it. He made sure he was on me every day. Like, you got to work hard. Like, if you want to be the best, you got to work hard. You got to keep going. You can't stop. And when he put me on scholarship, he said, this doesn't change nothing. Like, he was always hard on me. No matter what, no matter what I did, if I made a good play, he'd be like, good job, man. Let's go. You got more to make. He'd always be there encouraging and telling me to keep going. I mean, I did everything that he told me to do because, I mean, he gave me a shot to come play at Texas Tech. So I couldn't really go back on nothing. I had to prove and keep going. And I was grateful for that shot because nobody else would give me one. But throughout the six years, he, he was the same. He was just hard on me. And when he the time came, he was like, I'm sorry for being so hard. But I was like, nah, I appreciate you being hard because you made me into who I am today. So you think he definitely had a major role in developing you from, like we said, a guy who was a walk-on just looking for a chance to somebody who right now is an NFL draft hopeful? Yes, sir. He did. He, I mean, he did a lot for me throughout the six years, and I can't thank him more for what he did. Hey, guys. Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So let's talk about Cliff Kingsbury's offense because that's what so many people are really enamored by. You played in that offense. You were around it for six years. Tell me all about it. Give me the inside look at what it's like to be in that Cliff Kingsbury offense and what Cliff Kingsbury is like as an offensive mind. Dude, he's 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 like Einstein of the of offensive mind. <laughs> but dude, you know, sometimes he he he's in the office all day from five a.m. to to like seven or eight, going looking at film, studying defenses, seeing how he can beat them, doing what he can do. And I mean, it was never boring day in the offense. I mean, every day we have something new coming in. You learn it, execute it. On game day, we go out there and do it and be like, oh, it worked exactly how I thought it would. And it's like, I don't even know how he even thought about that in his head, just the way he schemed stuff up. But it was it was pretty exciting. I mean, as a receiver especially, you know, in that passing offense, like this is what you dream of, this is what you want to be a part of. But even in the running game, it's fun blocking for the guys who are carrying the ball behind you. You were there for the development of three guys that would go on to play in the NFL, two of whom I would argue are two of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. The first one is Baker Mayfield. The second one is Davis Webb, who's actually on the Jets right now, so that's interesting. And the third one is Patrick Mahomes, who everybody knows has developed into one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. So tell me a little bit about what it was like to play with those guys, but also specifically what you saw Coach Kingsbury do with them to help make them better players. By far, seeing, I mean, every day he's working on their little mechanics, small details, things that quarterbacks need to do, like no matter what, pressure comes on, you know, just stuff you need to execute. And more than hopefully, he would just, he'd have them study. He'd make sure that they study a lot and tell them that you need to study a lot. Like when you study a lot, you ain't going to struggle. There's not going to be no doubt in your mind that you can execute whatever I gave you. And he would just tell them, like, I'm going to have your back, like no matter what, I'm going to make sure you're prepared for this. And he would do that for everybody make sure the offense is prepared throughout the week. And we had the confidence to go out there and execute whatever he gave us. But as far as the quarterbacks, 
those guys, them three especially, I couldn't much, I didn't play much with Baker, but that dude, he was just, he was, he had high competitive, like, he just com- liked to compete. And that's what he would do. He, would, he was in there studying all the time as well. And uh, he fit the offense well. Davis Webb was a big studier. I mean, uh, and, uh, I mean, he, he could throw the ball. Y'all could see that. I mean, he's in the league now playing. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, he's just, the crazy talent. I mean, after he came in to uh, relieve Davis, that one game he got hurt. After that game, uh, it wasn't his first, like, when he first came in, he didn't look good. But then the next week when he came back, he was, like, on everything, made sure he knew everything. And after that, everybody saw what he could be. I brought up Davis Webb. I know he transferred because of Patrick Mahomes, and I'm sure he was disappointed that Mahomes was able to take the job away from him. But being that you know Davis Webb, do you think that he would be happy to see Coach Kingsbury, or do you think that there is some sort of resentment there? No, I don't think I don't think there's any resentment towards each other. I mean, they're both growing. I think you got to see what Patrick. I mean, you got to see what happened when he took his position. But that was just because he proved that he could. He was uh, good to be in that spot, and he showed how he could be a good place in the offense. So I mean, I don't think he'd be resent resentful at all towards Coach Kingsbury. But you see the way Coach King and when I saw Coach King and Davis working together, both their minds, they're like, think when they're around each other, it's the craziest thing you ever see. Like the way they think to each other, like, oh yeah, Davis, he give Davis one signal for a play, and mind you, there's like twenty different signals for one play. Davis would always on the play, but we by the one signal, he just look away and start telling the office what to do. So I guess if anybody could get the most out of Davis Webb and turn him into a legitimate backup and who knows, maybe even a starter or something down the line, it would be Coach King, right? Oh, yeah, most definitely. There's a perception that Patrick Mahomes is just a freak of nature and that anybody could have gotten him to be a good quarterback. Did you witness Cliff Kingsbury do anything specific with Patrick Mahomes to help refine his game and take him to another level? I mean, the throwing-wise, I mean, Patrick, he just... He just got the arm. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. You can't really coach that. You either got it or you don't. But um, other than that, he he didn't work on his like simple mechanic. Because sometimes, I guess when he would throw, he would do some things that he didn't need to do, and he'd help him out with that. Um, I mean, studying film, showing him what he needed to look at on film, reading defenses, and once Patrick got all that down, like he just became <laughs> he came became unstoppable almost. Like, it was crazy to see him develop from. When he first came in to relieve injured quarterback to what he was a starting quarterback, was, I mean, it's crazy just seeing him make some of them plays out there. I mean, you can't put no coaching on that, but at the end of the day, it's like he did teach him some of the stuff because he taught him how to read defenses, and something's going to break down eventually. I mean, you see it, just go for it. So his system, the air raid system, which Mahomes, Davis Webb, and Baker Mayfield all played in, would you say that that's something that helps get the most out of the players on the field, regardless of whoever it is that Kingsbury has at the time, that he's able to take that talent and elevate it? Do you think that he is good at getting the most out of the guys that he has? In other words, if he has a player that has a strength and B weakness that he knows exactly how to push the buttons to get that strength and avoid the weakness. Oh yeah, most definitely. I'll, yeah, I'll say that 100%. He knows exactly what you need and how to get you better. And he'll do that. That's what he did for me throughout my years. He built me up to what I can become. I mean, it's crazy how you do it. And at the end of the day, it's, he becomes a coach that you just want to play for him no matter what. You just want to play for that guy and do everything you can. That's what I was going to ask you as far as Kingsbury's reputation with the players. Did everybody respect him? Did everybody like playing for him? Oh, yeah. Everybody in the locker room, we all, 
I mean, I, I was finished when he, whenever I heard he got fired. I wasn't coming back to play game, like, obviously, but I was like, dang, like, that hurt me too, just knowing that he got fired because it just sucked to see him, to see that happen to him. Because, I mean, we knew what we should have done that year, and we just, I mean, through injuries and all that, it just didn't work in our favor. There are people that will say, how could you hire somebody like Cliff Kingsbury, who had a losing record at Texas Tech over the course of his six-year career? So as somebody who played for Cliff Kingsbury, tell me about that. Is there something beneath the surface that people should be looking at besides just the win-loss record? Yeah, I mean, what he, I mean, the win-loss record came from other things other than what happened. I mean, just if you look away from the wins and losses, the team we had this year was better. I think we could have competed with anybody in the Big 12 Conference. We could have beat anybody. And we, and we were in all those games. We lost by simple things like came down last second sometime where we just made little mistakes or we had a big injury at the quarterback position like Alan Bowman going down. Little things like that. I mean, he pulled us all up, brought a great team together six years. If we were able to go out there and prove what we could have done on that field, like people wouldn't be talking like they do about the negativity with him. <laughs> he can bring a program together no matter what, and he's going to have more resources up there in the league to do that. Tell me a little bit about his coaching staff because – that's something that a lot of people are concerned about with anybody that comes from the college ranks is an ability to build a big-time staff around him, a real support system. What did you see regarding his relationship with his coaches, and are you confident that Cliff Kingsbury could build a strong staff at the NFL level? No, the staff worked well together. I mean, they showed they were all in the off. They would all go into the, uh, the meeting room, defense and offense, and put together what they are working on talk to each other and the relationships around the building you could tell that they were just good together. He built that up. <laughs> he brought in new people. And the same time it got the comfortability level just rose and with it, they all came in. It was like the same like they've been there forever. I guarantee I I have no doubt in my not mind that he could build up a, a good coaching staff around him and have a good structure. He did it here throughout the six years I've been here, and he had several coaches working with him. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I have to ask this, and I know that you can give me an honest answer now because you're no longer enrolled at Texas Tech, and so you don't have to play the company man technically, and you can tell me an answer (laughs) to this. You can also give me a no comment if you really want to, but I know you said that it hurt you when Cliff Kingsbury was let go. Do you think he got a raw deal from the university? No, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a business. They want to see they want to see more wins in the column. You know, it doesn't come down to what could have been or what could have happened. So it is what it is. You can't really fault them for what they did. I mean, they made their best. They did what they needed to do in their best interest. So, I mean, you can't really fault them. What do you think about Kingsbury taking his offense to the NFL? Do you think it could succeed at the NFL level? And what did you see while playing for him, elements of the offense and so on and so forth, that you could look at and say, wow, if he took this or he took that and brought it to the NFL, it could change the game? Oh, I mean, you see what, I mean, the Chiefs run some of the stuff that we do. 
and we run some of the stuff that they do. So it's no doubt that the offense would be successful in the league. I mean, when we see it, we're like, people said that we can't do that. I had talked to him about it before. He's like, people said that this offense wouldn't be successful in the league. And look what they're doing with it. They're just exposing people. The Patriots use it sometimes, too. Let me ask you a little bit about the defense because that was an Achilles heel for the team for the time that Kingsbury was there. Is that a legitimate concern, do you think, that maybe Cliff Kingsbury would be a good offensive coordinator in the NFL, but as a head coach, he doesn't pay enough attention to the defense, maybe he doesn't hire the right people, and so if you hire him as the head coach, the defense could really suffer? Nah, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't, I don't think that would be anything to be concerned with because, I mean, throughout the years, you saw our, our defense projection went out. I mean, they did this year. They did honestly. They did what they needed to do for us to be able to win those games on the offensive side. We just didn't have. What we didn't do what we needed to do to finish those games out. I mean, as I said, you get you get when you get to the league, you get better resources and you get better structure around you, and you get more access to whatever you need. I, th- I think he's fine. He can build up a defense because he knows exactly how to. His offensive mind. He knows exactly how people are going to try to stop him. He knows how to build a defense around something to stop other offenses as well. So I wouldn't say that's even a concern. J.D. On, let me ask you this, because there have been reports, and in fact, Kingsbury himself has talked about this, and it's become a pretty funny topic. He's known as a bit of a charmer. In fact, he talked about how sometimes he would flirt with the moms of recruits if he thought it would give him an edge in terms of getting a player. Did you ever see anything like that? Did you see Cliff Kingsbury, the charmer, where he would turn it on and his personality would shine through and he was trying to either get a recruit or something like that? Oh, well, oh, I couldn't even, I couldn't even give an answer to that question. I never been, I've been to one recruiting visit with them, but there was in the mom around, but <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that one. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one to y'all and let y'all figure it out or ask him again. <laughs> That's funny. I've never even heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, he said it in an interview, and I was wondering if you had seen it because obviously it's something that if he's going out and saying it publicly, he must have had a reputation. So I was curious if you had seen it. No, I, no, I've never seen. I've never seen or heard anything about it till now. I might have asked him about it. Yeah, if you do, let me know because now I'm curious what he would say beyond what he's already said publicly. So, JD, let me ask you this question. I know Cliff Kingsbury ended up taking the Arizona job, but do you think he would have been a good fit for the Jets and Sam Darnold? I think Kingsbury would be the perfect fit for, the, for him. I mean, you take a chance, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, who else out there is going to get a quarterback ready like the way he's getting, he's gotten previous guys ready who are in the league right now? Looking, you can't say nothing to what he's produced. Uh, but I don't, me, I can, I don't know any other coaches that would be well for the job. I mean, for an offense like that, you got to get players around you. You just need a better structure and get Sam Darnold on and going. Once that happens, the Jets will just like blow up. What do you think of Darnold, by the way? While we're on the subject, just curious. I think he's he's real. I think he's gritty. He likes to compete. I like I, I watch him play obviously on TV, but if I could see him in person, I'm, I'd probably think the same. I think he's a good player and he could be good. He has a lot. He has a lot of potential. He has a lot of stuff he hasn't put out there on the table. Perhaps you'll be working with him at some point. We'll get back to that in a second. But first, I got to ask you the big question to end all questions now. If you were somebody that was in the position to make the decision and you had a young quarterback like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, you would have had no reservations about hiring Cliff Kingsbury to work with one of those guys and take over your franchise as the new head coach? I would, I would I'd definitely hire him if I, was, if I was sitting there across the table from him. I mean... I've seen what his offense has done 
we might not have not not have had a good win loss record, but at the end of the day, he's been he's done great as an offensive mind, and he knows what he's doing. Bring that kind of guy in there, and just start putting up points. And you got a good defense behind him to stop the other team from scoring too many points. I think it's a good mix. I mean, you already got what you need there. Once you bring him in and boost that offense up, it'll be it'll be good for the program. At one point, three high-profile players on the Jets, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, and Christopher Herndon, came out and stumped for Cliff Kingsbury. They obviously didn't get their way, but clearly they saw the sky-high potential of the Cliff Kingsbury offense like you've been describing. You were there when Jay Samara was the tight end, and I know he's a little bit of a sore spot here in New York now, but he had tremendous production under Cliff Kingsbury. What do you think about what Kingsbury could have done here with the Jets' offense, and specifically with Christopher Herndon at tight end? You do a lot. You you like when he gets in there and he sees what he has around him. He learns how to he builds the offense up and sees puts all the pieces in the right places. Just knows who he wants to play, where he wants to play him. And once he gets that figured out, once he gets that down, like his offense just explodes from there. It goes off like there's no way to stop it. Get the right. You got the right quarterback already. Got a good tight end, some good receivers. Like that's all he needs. Once he and once he gets there and he puts it all together and something in the game plan, like it's like it's gonna be it'll be something crazy. Got to ask you this question because I'm kind of curious. Le'Veon Bell is a big time free agent. There's rumors the Jets may be interested, and we all hope they are because it makes a ton of sense that he would be the target or the biggest target for the Jets in the off season. If Cliff Kingsbury were the head coach, do you think that? A, he would be able to effectively recruit him the way that he recruited guys in college, and B, what do you think about the prospect of Le'Veon Bell in a Cliff Kingsbury offense? You got to add a dynamic back to the mix. You got a running game mixed with the passing game. I mean, you got to stop one or the other when they're both working well. You don't know what's coming. Defense off balance. You can't really stop the offense as a whole. That'd be a good. I think he could recruit him to come if, if they really wanted him and needed him. I think it's something that's possibility that could really happen. That and a huge check, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what he wants. <laughs> you have to go there with it. J.D. On, you're going through the draft process right now, and I hope you get drafted. But if you don't, even though Cliff Kingsbury isn't here now, I hope that you'll strongly consider signing with the Jets as an undrafted free agent if it comes to that point because I've seen your tape, and I would love to see you in this offense with Sam Darnold. I definitely, I mean, I just, I just want a chance to play in the league, and that's what I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid. I mean, everybody get up there and tell you the same thing, but I don't see doing anything else. I mean, I've been working hard trying to get there. That'd be nice. It'd be, that'd be a nice uh, possibility if that really did happen like that. I'd be like, that'd be like some coincidence crazy. It's like, that's crazy, but that'd be nice. J.D. On, thanks so much for sharing your insights. I'm really pulling for you. I hope somebody drafts you. And like I said, if you become an undrafted free agent, I really hope that you'll consider coming here and signing with the Jets because I think that you would be a real asset to the team. So good luck in the process, and thanks so much for coming on and sharing your insights. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you want to know more about J.D. On, you can follow him on Twitter. Why don't you go ahead and give out your Twitter information, and that way people can learn more about you, and they can watch your YouTube videos, too, because there are highlights of you out on YouTube. Oh, I didn't even know that. I've got to go look them up then, I guess. (laughs) 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 No, my Twitter handle is just letter J underscore high 88. Go ahead and follow J.D. on and check out his YouTube pilots. In fact, one of them is him getting his clock cleaned, which I'm sure he doesn't want to relive, but it does show how tough he is and that he can take a lick. So NFL teams should really be paying attention to that. 
Make sure that you follow J.D. on on Twitter, follow his career, and like me, keep your fingers crossed that he ends up in the league, and hopefully even with our Jets, I think he'd be a real asset to the team. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets information and podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.